Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N again on tour again for Spoken Label. This is a record today because we're at Queenie's Cafe now. Anybody knows where I live is Denton. Queenie's Cafe is in Denton. So this is the most local writer I've ever met. It's been fantastic. And I've got extra help today with me, Amanda Ruffentine. Yeah. And who's Amanda? Your partner. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> now, gentlemen, we've got with us today, uh, Dave Dalgleish. I'll let Dave introduce himself in a second. Is <laughs> got talking to you, Dave, didn't I? Back in the last year. Yeah. Now you met two mutual friends of Spoken Label, Gordon yeah, Zona right. and Eve Norley, and they yeah. referred you over to me, didn't they? So, they did, as they do. Probably they found out where you lived and where I lived. And um, I think they were after you to get me to point you in, the, in that direction on poetry nights, weren't they? Because haven't they? That, they that, I know that's right, yeah. And we've not got not not actually got into that yet. We've never got round to it. No. The three of us been chatting all the time, so but we'll come on to that afterwards. Sure. Because I know in your case, Dave, you're originally from the Denton area, aren't you? So, yeah. And you want to tell everybody who you are? Yeah. Uh, basically, where, obviously, where you come from then, and where all your creative stuff starts from. We'll take it from there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a Dentonian born and bred. Um, and as is uh, a few generations previous, uh, I I would describe myself as someone who uh, is originally a researcher. I, my background is in criminology, so a lot of the work that I've done in the past has been around criminal justice. But through doing that work, I got to start to work with young people and communities. And through that work, I started to look at two issues in particular, tackling prejudice, in the criminal justice system and more generally, and also using uh, poetry, rap music, and other ways to break the ice and get through to some young people who didn't necessarily have much in common with someone who, who come from Denton. Yeah, as I said, I know you've done a lot of travelling, haven't you? So you've lived in several areas, haven't yeah. you, over the time? So, and I know you lived in London for quite a while at That's one point right. as well, didn't you? So, and um, you were telling me before, your writing originally came from doing icebreakers, wasn't it? In teaching classes, wasn't it? Back in 2002. Yeah, basically what happened was I was working on a community project with mm. some young people that was trying to improve the relationship between young people and uh, the police and criminal justice uh, sort of service deliverers, for want of a better word, in, in, in areas across London, some of the high gun crime hotspots at the time. Um, and I was evaluating that project, uh, but then some teachers didn't, uh, weren't able to attend. And they needed someone to talk to issues around stop and search and some of the disparities in the, in the criminal justice system around mainly class and race mm. uh, and I did that and one of the ways that I was uh, able to, to sort of give people an understanding is, is use certain music that I grew up listening to mm. which is in particular hip-hop music but also some rock music as well cool which which spoke to some of those issues um, and and use that as a launch pad really to get them to discuss the contents of the music as a way to go in into stop and search. What do you think about, so for example, there's a game, sorry, there's a, a, a song, uh, rather than the stereotypical song by NWA, which we all know, oh, yeah. went down the main source friendly game of baseball route, which is about police brutality, as a way to uh, 
get them to open up and talk about their experiences. Yes, yeah, you've got you've just done a more subtle way of approaching it, really. Haven't yeah, you, so. and now, and also I've got to remember the fact that you know, uh, even though I went to college in a quite a so-called high crime area in Manchester, even though my friends lived in areas that were associated with uh, things like stop and search and that, um, I've never had anything like that apart from being pulled over. Uh, in, while I was in a car, I've never been stopped and searched for drugs or a weapon or anything like that. And I was, I was there, this person with an MA in criminology, teaching these young people who live that reality on a daily basis. And I had to sort of check myself and try to put myself in other people's shoes rather than come in and tell people who experience something on a daily basis what something is like, because I don't know. And I guess from doing that work, I learned more from them than they learned from me. And it also gave me inspiration to write poems. Uh, uh, um, so I wrote a song called 31 Days Later in Belgravia, uh, which was basically looking at the fact that there was a lot of uh, class A cocaine use in areas like Belgravia and in the city of London. Wow. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the police didn't necessarily scrutinise some of those people. I mean, that song is on YouTube for people if they want to check it out. 31 well, we Days Later, the Day later that. Yeah, we're looking yeah, at yeah. that one. And the sort of line that I said was, Stockwell Park's in prison, High Park gets a caution. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah, great way. So, I know obviously you told me off mic before you do, I know you do do music as well as poetry, don't you? Yeah. So, so where, where does your music come from then? Uh, well, two, two strands. I was sort of a failed drummer at university uh, uh, so I've still got a drum kit in oh, yeah. storage somewhere but when I started to do like poetry more seriously and got encouraged yeah. by a friend of mine I went to university with in who's from Leamington shout out Pedro Genko was my, produced Pedro my first, <laughs> he, 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 he uh, produced the first track that I did uh, which was an acapella that I sent to him and then he put beats to it then he sent me a couple of beats and I did lyrics to that uh, yeah, so I was in a, a band with him as like a best character at first at university. Having a bit of a dance, and there was a drummer, and then that drummer sold his drummy kit to me, and I tried to, to play the drums, and I got to a pretty poor standard, <laughs> and then realised that I was really just masking the fact that I wanted to be a vocalist and a and a poet and and a, I guess a, a rapper. Oh, Who's your favourite rapper then? Have you got any that really stands out to you? Yeah, uh, I would say for the sort of content that I do, Public Enemy, uh, I'd say for people that sort of I first, that first sort of got me into hip hop would be De La Soul. And Classics, yeah. I would say that my favourite band, Pound for Pound, is one of their label mates a tribe called Quest. Oh god, yeah. And I think Q Tip's an amazing producer and oh, cool. Did you yeah. get into rap music when you were very young then, didn't you? Was it? Uh yeah. Basically, um I got like a now that's what I call music. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah. And, uh, and like side, there was it was usually a double album. Yeah, yeah. And side three was always like dance and hip hop, so it would be like Technotronic, oh, God, yeah. uh, Eric B and Rakim, those sorts of uh, artists. And it was really, I think, Eric B and Rakim's paid in full. But then 
I think the song I Know by Della Soul was a love song when I first got to senior school and it's when I sort of first had like a proper girlfriend and oh. first kiss and all that and that song meant a lot. So it's through that way really, yeah. Oh brilliant. It's, it shows you when you're growing up in school sometimes, like the different music listen to each other. Yeah. It's like a, I've not told you this yet. Amanda, Amanda, everyone knows Amanda, she knows I've been with her for years, but when I was at school I only listened, listened, used to listen to Scottish bagpipe music. Right, right, right. And country and western in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't very popular. It was very unpopular. <laughs> Mostly that's what my dad was just having going through when my mum was playing Greece soundtracks all the time, so I knew all them but not all the hit all the eighties stuff it's like mm-hmm. she always did it when you eighties stuff. What were you listening to at school, Amanda? Oh, I can't remember now. I wasn't into all the stuff that everyone else was, so I was, I was like the strange kid. Right, you right, liked Bon Jovi, right. didn't you? Oh yeah, I did. I liked Bon Jovi, yeah. yeah I, I, felt like like, I felt like with one of my friends, because we were arguing over who was going to get John Bon Jovi, as if either of us had a chance. <laughs> 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 so whenever you do something, when you look at school, you look back, don't you? Yeah. Sometimes to me, this when younger, it sticks with you when you get older, so you, you move away from it, don't you? Yeah, and I think that like that particular time, I was really lucky to go to, at secondary school between 1987 in 1992 in Manchester yeah. and for music what a, what better time to go to school than that so you had like Stone Roses up in yeah. one day yeah, that, old blue, that old blue straight up a guy called Gerald you know all voodoo, the yeah. 808 State all I met, met him a few times then the voodoo rate oh, yeah, yeah. great guy yeah, still, yeah. still active as well on this one way or another yeah well, this is what he's had recently so yeah and there's a person who worked with him who's a uh, producer called Annie Fakinola who's also part of a uh, sort of Hip hop, jazz, uh, oh, cool. called Chapter and Verse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he he, he worked on that album and, and he's got one of their albums. He, might have two of them. He's his his partner is a, a councillor in Trafford Borough, a oh. Labour councillor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows you different, isn't it? Yeah. I grew up by saying man, I'm from the old hip hop roots. Here. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to the guy called MC Busby. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And he's son of my job when I worked at the job centre this spring. He was Sean. He was a great guy actually. Also. He was a good guy, and also at that time, I would say that if I had to pin my loyalties to a particular group or act yeah. from Manchester hip hop wise it'd be ruthless rap assassins who oh, were his contemporaries. Kermit, Kermit you know, yeah man, yeah who then went on to do black vaping. Yeah I was just do you ever remember Black Vaping? I played them. Yeah, yeah very um, I've got a Sean Ryder story actually. We're going off the top mark. No, 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 yeah. I've got a two one I can't repeat in the mic. Yeah. But the other one was um, I went down to you been to Final Exchange in Manchester. Yeah yeah yeah. I was in there once and some guy comes in with a hoodie, mumbles, can I ask if the Black Grape CD in the window? And it was only one night to nine, and, and the guy, the guy, the guy in the car says to me, you do know who that was, don't you? And I said, no, no, must have grabbed me. And I did. It was Sean Ryder. He came in, bought his own CD for one night to nine, out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was really lucky actually mentioning Black Grape that when I went to Cardiff... I've heard them that in one distributor. Well, when I went to... First album, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't that much aware of them. And then I went to um, uni, and they were one of the first bands who played in like our freshers fortnight and that. And I went in to watch the sound check to see if I could see like Sean or Bez or anyone, or uh, Kermit. And one of their roadies was someone who knew my friend's cousin from Russia. Oh, so me and five friends got to see that concert for nothing. Oh, fantastic. So I always, see, I don't always see brings a smile when I think of Black Grape. Oh, it does, yeah. does bring a lot of memories back, it does. Um, I used to go on when I was a lot younger. I used to go on one or two of the pubs in Cholton. Yeah. And Manny was been there regular and um, John Squires. And, That's uh, right, yeah. I've got the drummer. Well, Rennie. Rennie. Alan Rennie. Yeah. Never met Ian Brown. 
Yeah, he's lived in Denton, Rennie, the drummer. Yeah, I believe so. He's got his local lad who used to play. He used to play the Witchwood a lot with one of his band after after he's left the Roses. And the bass uh, guitarist from Spiral Carpets used to live in Denton as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a big, it's big local links on that. I knew about that. So yeah. Most of his carpets are olden bass more now. De- Denton is more renowned for Mick Hucknow, but I, I can't say I'm that much familiar with his work. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> the man, I was wondering the like it. Manda's just shaking her head, Charlie, and you. Why do we get Mick Hucknow's in It's not fair. People are unfair to Mick, and also. Uh, I just want to say that my auntie said no to him when he asked her for a kiss at St John Fisher's Disco in the 70s. <laughs> okay. and, and she certainly missed out on a fortune there, I guess. So, yeah. Yes, I think she probably did. Probably kicking herself over that one. <laughs> now, obviously, back into yourself and Dave, obviously. Sure. Obviously, God, we could all talk about music all day long, the famous thing. Mm. Now, I know you've bought, you've bought, you've, you've shown me your book before. That's right. Uh, it came out in 2010, was it? That's right, yes. You know, where does racism come from? Mm-hmm. Now, because a couple of things to talk about is obviously first of all is I know we've got a reissue of the book coming out in a minute yeah. which we've got to come on to in a minute sure but now anyone seen the book we've got we've got a copy of here this is the original version that's right it's a great looking book in landscape yeah which is very unusual in shape for it yeah what did you do with landscape a couple of reasons um, one is because I use quite a lot of uh, visuals in the book mm. and so it's people not not a lot of the book is very mainly for people who don't know about this stuff to teach about it so whether that would be community leaders or it would be teachers and it can be applied right across a national curriculum and if it's just if it's just type I don't think that sort of target audience of young people would really be able to take that much in but if they can see who these people are Mm. they're often quite famous people David Hume Immanuel Kant uh, you know uh, the historian Arnold Toynbee they unless you have something to to actually look at and be able to say oh oh, who's that guy oh i recognize him from tv or i recognize him from that book or i recognize him in that book that we did in sociology or history or geography or whatever of course of course yeah Uh, so i just did the landscape thing one because of the space it afforded me because i thought portrait might be a little bit squashed in terms of the images that Mm. i use And, and secondly also because uh, I, I pay tribute to people that did work before me and a lot of the sort of seminal works that were done by the Institute of Race Relations, Running Mean Trust, mm. they tended to be very similar. Right, oh, I get you now, where you did it. Land, landscape and obviously yeah. because they needed, they also were using images to back up what they were saying. How long did it take you to do the original book then? Was it quite a long drawn out process? That I'd say it took me five years in total. Bear in mind that I had a full time job at the time, <coughs> I was doing this yeah, as course. I would be now. Um, uh, so that was a case of going to the British Library, going to you know various different libraries, university mm. libraries, um, doing that research. Some of those books that I'm quoting from were originally written in, in some cases Arabic, in some cases French uh, or German, and I was then having to either rely on people who spoke those languages to give me a translation from the books written in their original language, because I was big on that, and also. Um, I had to then source images, make sure they were copyright free uh, and basically do the design of the book and then launch it, market it, organise a book launch etc and I would say that it was in a nutshell research about three and a half years, writing and polishing it off yeah. about one and a half How years. How did you find it with the marketing Simon? Ten, ten years ago this year wasn't it Richard came out? Uh, 
I would say that I was a bit naive and not that very good at marketing. I wasn't in a, in a weird position for somebody to self-publish them stuff is I'm not someone who loves to sort of like, you know, broadcast, broadcast what I do. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the work that I've done around like anti-racism or countering violent extremism and stuff like that, it's not necessarily going to be that well publicised because it's it not. Being, it's not going to one you see in the top show, probably in the main marketing thing at Waterstones. No, no, no. But, but also like a lot of really good work that's being done around criminal justice and, and addressing prejudice and, and trying to build communities, mm. quite often, unless they get lucky enough to partner in with a say an academic who's doing some research and stuff like that mm. quite often that will go under the radio yeah, radar yeah. and we will see stuff which is done on tv which is quite often done in a way for entertainment rather than social progress yeah now i get completely brilliant now i know obviously now you've got the book coming out haven't you is it a, re- is it a reissue or a second no it's, edition? it's an updated version updated version what's made you come back to do an updated version 10 years later though uh Looking back on the previous decade, uh, I think that I, I'll be honest, I think that I failed in many respects first time round. I didn't, I wasn't brave enough to leave my full time job and dedicate enough time to doing the book full time. Um, I wasn't as aware of how to engage on some of the issues as, as I am now, but also I feel that the current political climate, whether it's in the US, UK, or on the continent, it's needed now as much as it has been in in any time before. Um, I've seen a lot of things. Whether we just look at strictly just look at football alone and forget yeah, politics yeah. and all that stuff, no, you true. can see some quite clear evidence from 2010 to 2020 of uh, racist incidents, not just against uh, fans and stuff like that, and different countries falling out with each other, but some quite clear returns to what we might have called those bad old days yeah, back so, uh, so. Of, of, of monkey chants of people throwing fruit and uh, you know as someone who's partly Italian I've got a unique perspective of seeing what happens in Italy and England oh, yeah, and quite often England is good at pointing fingers at Italy uh, but uh, it perhaps needs to get its own house in order yeah, and agreed. I think agreed. you know that starts at home and one of the things I look to do is to reach out to clubs in Greater Manchester to work with them and any of their players or staff who want to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, you've definitely, you definitely, definitely got the ideas right. I mean, they say sometimes you're younger sometimes, it's, you need that experience to realise where you've gone wrong sometimes. Yeah. Anything. Now, I'm going to ask Amanda about this next question because what do you think of my point there Amanda? I mean, you're right sometimes you first get a goal and you need the experience sometimes don't you to realise what you've done wrong with some things oh yeah if I look back at all my stuff I can see all, everything I've done wrong which is the law <laughs> <laughs> but I think you learn don't you everything you do which is good I don't love to look at life as a journey really because I'm, yeah. I'm a massive Scott Walker fan of music right. and I admire him it started off with the band in the 60s and by the end of it we did extreme metal yeah, yeah. Like, everything went from a progressive A to B to C mm-hmm. some of them might jump massive jump to get D to E and stuff but it's there's a balance of everything you do and that's why I see what you're getting at with that straight away Dave now obviously I know in relation to your poetry and stuff now tell us about what made you actually want to go and read your poetry out at um, last back in the last year in, in um, Switch I I'm not sure we've, I think we mentioned this before we recorded but yeah not just, on just the, this, for, is off, this is off mic for, for, for yeah. the record uh, I'm happy to say that I had a number of health issues between 2014 and 2017. Some related to my mental well-being. I had a heart attack, had a minor stroke. I think 
my body or mother nature or whoever was trying to tell me David you need to pull your finger out uh, so since I would say since last year I wouldn't say straight after the stroke I really started to um, work on myself and um, start to do things which brought me enjoyment and, and got a lot of things off my chest and I thought if I don't if I haven't got the courage to stand up in front of people and say what I believe through my poetry, then I'm doing myself a disservice as much as anyone else. You do it. Um, whenever you're doing poetry, it's a great skill. Not just the content you're telling people, yeah. it's the fact it's public addressing. Yeah, yeah. And when you write, sometimes I think you learn a lot about that if you're doing the public addressing. Now, am I alright if I mention Strong at you, Amanda? Yeah. When I first met Amanda, before we came to die dating, um, we both co-run with a fat friend Steve now on Night Strength called Spoken Speak Easy, which is like an open mic mm. based night for spoken word. And what were you like first time you went there, Amanda? My hands were shaking. Yeah, rather nervous she was. But you find like it's um, last year, Dave, for example, shows you how you can do if you keep doing this sort of thing. Um, Manda's running a magazine now, we'll talk about that later anyway, because I want to speak to you about that. But um, called Printed Words, and we did a festival last year, with Manda Manda arranged it at the Festival of Manchester. And basically, with that, was, um, we ended up, I ended up hosting in front of a couple hundred people a full festival. I'll show for us about an hour long, and you've never done all that before, have you? That's the first time, I just, I didn't even expect them to say yeah. But they were looking for like acts and performers and stuff, so I thought I'll put the magazine through and get people that have been publishing the magazine to do it. Mm. And they'll probably say no. And then they said yes. And I thought, oh no, I've got to sort it out and actually ask all these people in the village. <coughs> we do like anything like the point out there, David, like I said, is you keep, it's really happy being creative. Yeah. There's so many opportunities everywhere you're going to keep everywhere in a large city, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. To branch out in different directions. I get you completely with that. Well, it was, it's quite funny. There's a couple of things, really. I mean, I was just thinking back in terms of what you were saying, and, I, and a few lines from one of my poems came to mind. Oh, yeah. And um, how I got, how I sort of like written this poem, and what I was saying was really about how I felt that I had, after I'd had the heart attack, I kidded myself that I was on the right track, but I wasn't, I was kidding myself, and I wasn't really addressing some of the issues around the mental health and some of the physical health. And then I wrote this poem about this and got it off my chest. Ooh. And yeah, I said, we'll get you to do that second half, is it? Well, 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 just yeah. a, a couple oh, yeah. of lines on oh, yeah. that was, please, uh, please. It was just to sum up what, what an answer to your question, which is, uh, I wrote a poem of an artist, it's how ideal to impart this, sooner or later put pain to paper and pain turns into catharsis. Brilliant. And when I wrote that line, I was like, <coughs> I think I actually need to step up and, and let people know uh, whether it whether it was continuing to doing it within a, within an educational setting, but also just generally what I felt about history, politics, psychology, yeah. sociology, and my sort of aim is to do like a a kind of five series of either like EPs or poetry books where we look at, and I've got to give David Cameron the credit for this. Oh, not many people give him credit, unfortunately. The, the, <laughs> That's not talking politics. No, right, no, right. but it's, he, he, he came up with this phrase, Broken Britain, and, and I've changed it to Broken Britons, uh, which, which is what I've seen in my experiences, whether it's with the uh, welfare system, 
with people of, with, uh, with disabilities, and that includes veterans who are having to deal with a pay cut and a pay freeze, uh, and, and and all these different situations where we have like a. So what I wanted to do was like a psycho history mm. of broken Britons, a sociology of broken Britons, a criminology of broken Britons. Oh wow and then look at the repair of Broken Britons and the legacy of Broken Britons and move from what I, what I would do... Is this all the way poetry that's all done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, but also, you, it, a lot of the poetry is based on fact or is actually just using facts from history and putting them into a poem. Cool. Whether, cool. It, whether it's about what I see with some of the way rights and freedoms are being taken away or whether it's how I see those disparities and even if you take race out of the equation and you look at the class dynamic of certain people who take class A's from wealthy uh, communities get punished less even though they've got more in terms of amount and the seriousness of that drug than say a young person would in Denton so, uh, for example, I referred to a particular family of the Tetra Pak packaging company. Mm. The heir to that, Hans Rowden and his wife, were uh, major heroin and cocaine abusers. Mm. And they took quite a lot of drugs into the US Embassy and were caught. They received a caution for that. In contrast, a mate of mine in this context, a white working class dude from uh, the Lisson Green Estate, mm. which sort of Edgware Roadway, he got caught on his uh, on his way home having a bit of a, a leftover joint and he got the same punishment. And why would someone who's having a bit of a leftover joint get the same punishment as someone who's got over 50 grams of heroin and cocaine? And if we look at the class dynamics and the access to justice, yeah. money, power, privilege and, and access are the things. And then I turn that into a song uh, 31 days later in Belgravia. And that is, you know, I mentioned how uh, Stockwell Park's in prison, Hyde Park gets a caution. You can mancunianize that to uh, Alexander Park's in prison, Lime Park gets a caution. Uh, just to say that if you are living in somewhere like Disley or Belgravia, mm. you're much less likely to suffer the same fate in the criminal justice system for possession of more serious drugs yeah, than yeah, you are a young person on a council oh, estate yeah. or a traditional working class area. Fantastic. So, you know, certainly you, you answered my next question, it was going to be what's next for your writing wise when you've answered that quite quite pretty great there yeah now do you mean, would you want to start doing more post slots and readings everywhere although you're not sure yet for yourself yeah but if i can just go back to oh, what's sorry. next writing wise sorry yeah. what i would also say is just because i uh think it's important for people to be aware uh i am at the moment working with people i know in italy uh in rome and milan who are anti-racist anti-fascist and we are working on an Italian version of my digital book. Oh, brilliant. So I will be pushing the Italian football authorities in the same way that I would be wanting to work with football authorities here in football clubs. Yeah, yeah, of course. My family is uh, origins in the Genoa. So the club that I would be, that I identify and support in Italy is Sampdoria. Sampdorian African players for Sampdoria have experienced racial abuse this season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I've heard, heard quite a bit of that going around. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Now, obviously, like I said, onto the previous question then. Um, 
Do you see yourself wanting to perform your poetry more then? Or is that an analogy of the world? Or you? No, I, I am doing that. I'm signed up to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, 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 where do you fancy going then? Any ideas? Well, uh, uh, Eve has asked me to do some poetry for some anti racism events later this month. Oh, the in one in Bolton and Ashton. Bolton, yes. I don't want the yeah. Bolton one. Yeah. yeah, I can't do that one, unfortunately, though. Where's, uh, the, where's the Ashton one she asked you to do? Uh, where the usual poetry thing is in Ashton that I forgot uh, the, the name station. of. What I say, the, the station. station. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. station. No, and that's station. on the 14th and the one in Bolton's on the 15th um, and then um, I'm also looking at various uh, open mic nights in, in the northwest, whether oh. they're like Stockport, Manchester. We know, we know, we know a few so yeah. we know a few, I can, I can think, think of you should go to definitely so. And I'm also quite lucky that because of who I know from university and work mm. I know people who live like South Wales way London way so I've got options of combining going to see them with doing some open mics in those areas just to get a, an idea of what people in different parts of the country are into or not into oh, or fantastic. no good good stuff that's some brilliant talk. if people want to find out more about you yeah where are they best going uh, well within the next week I'll be publishing a website that website will be vermilion B dot co dot uk and i'll spell that v-e-r-m-i-l-i-o-n-b-e-e -E. so the colour of a million and the the little humble bee symbol of manchester so vermilionb.co.uk and that's where people can find out about my poetry music uh, uh the, the work that i do uh, and i've tended to talk a lot about criminal justice and um and, and anti-discrimination, anti-racism. A lot of my work is also about local history, regional history, social and economic history, mental health issues, but also really getting people to appreciate the natural habitats we have in the, in the Northwest. Uh, I was working, I worked with someone who is based in Preston and we saw that we could do a historical trip where you would educate people sort of like either a podcast or a YouTube video where you could start up in the forest of Boland mm -hmm. and without ever having to touch any concrete you can get to Denton oh. via the different rivers in Lancashire whether it's the Calder and the Ribble the, the canals uh, the River Irwell the Crowell really? and the yeah, Tong yeah, in Bolton yeah, no, I know you your Facebook in. picture's got a picture of Hearthead Peak. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I show, I'm not been up there, I've been past it with my car. Well, that, that is also uh, where I took the picture for the image that I used for one of my songs, ah. which was called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Oh, do you, do you remember the old, old day? Um, uh, I was wondering, man's well, that young, she doesn't remember Well, it's a play day. on an 80s band <laughs> who called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. They did a song called Enola Gay that you may or may not have heard of. It's on top of the pops a lot. Yeah. And also because the kestrel, for me, is very symbolic. Um, I'm very into ancient Egypt. Uh, the peregrine falcon is the sign of Horus or Heru. Uh, the kestrel is from that family. I've just noticed the time here, guys. Apologies to Dave in this one. It's going to be a part two. Okay. Hang around, everybody. See you in a minute. Apologies, Dave. No, no worries. <laughs> Spoken, mate. Hi, guys. Still here with Dave and Amanda. Right, Dave, back to you, mate. Sorry about that, mate. You talked about kestrels then, weren't you? I was, was talking about a song that I wrote called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. And really, uh, I wanted to write about the Northwest, but I also wanted to write about politics and current affairs. Mm. Um, I, I was mentioning that uh, very interested in ancient Egypt and Horus Heru, the uh, 
personification of the peregrine falcon. Mm. Uh, falcons are very much related to the kestrels and the hawks, got great eyesight. Some of the fastest uh, flights we, we know yeah, is by these birds. And we've got kestrels about 10 miles away. We yeah. could go and see them. And you know, obviously there's the, there's the great film Kez, yeah. uh, which I read when I was at school oh, in English Lit. Have you read Kez? I've seen the film. film yeah, yeah. which is great. Brian Glover's in it. I love both of them. I love, I love Ken Loach, mind yourself. He's a genius. Yeah. And, uh, I before I became aware of that, it was Barry Hines I think wrote the book. Yeah, it was Barry Hines. Uh, book and, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I just really have identified you seen, it. Have you yeah. seen the pictures of the guy that played Kez in that? Now, yeah, I have. Yeah, he's not yeah. changed, has he? No, he's not. He's just he's got. He still looks very similar. Yeah. He said, "Man, have you seen the film itself? There's the pictures yeah. of the lad with a, a mock-up of the actual Kestrel yeah. on it, and he's done for every year. He's not changed. He's all the age that we all have, but he's not recognise him. Well, what what I tried to do is sort of incorporate our local area into the song. And, and think about politics and I really tried to see that uh, you know that the YouTube and social media vocalists like Katie Hopkins and all yeah. these folks mm. anyway, really we just Katie Hopkins <laughs> well what I was going to say is I wrote that song thinking about the, what her and her ilk do so the song starts off talking about how these hungry fledglings need uh, to be fed uh, well, it said these hungry fledglings need a raptor to return to the nest with the red meat captured. And basically what I was saying is that red meat is basically anti-immigrant sentiment or, you know, it could be in modern terms, it could be the way that they've, they've targeted Meghan Markle or it could be the way they've targeted certain politicians and not others. Yeah. And then I try to talk about how, you know, orchestral manoeuvres in the dark at Denton Golf Course and yeah. over Debdale Park. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, and then I say, um, over Daisy Nook and the rest of the Medlock Valleys, picking on scraps and ginnels, you call them alleys. Are, they, are these so, songs planned to be on your website? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, pay attention, they're on the website. They're, okay. They'll be on the audiovisual page, so there'll be poetry and music, then there's some photography, uh, which, I'm, which I'm kind of using as a way to teach people about local history and, yeah. and things like that. It's been fascinating today, because I've been living Denton for a few years now. I don't know the area that well. Yeah. And you don't know it at all, Amanda, do you? So. Well, I've been there a few months. <laughs> no, and the last right. thing is, the, the thing that I said, <laughs> like, it's like one of my main hobbies and interests is growing fruit and veg. Yeah. One, from a health point of view. Two, I would also say from a mental health point of view, and I can't thank Gardener's World and Monty Don and those people enough for teaching me how gardening, and also me going back to my experience of gardening, which is helping my grandmother pick strawberries when I was a kid and yeah and 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 doing what was done when I when I when I was when I was young and helping her out mm. I now tend to f f concentrate on growing peas yeah. I love eating raw peas I've got the thing Monday, didn't your dad used to do gardening I imagine no, oh, Amanda's younger sister Helen her husband does it what, what's Gavin from then um, they don't grow food and stuff, they just does gardening. Well, they did gardening for money, it doesn't know. It works in a bank now. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> and there's, uh, there's also like, I mean, I wasn't massively into the flower side of things until recently, and then mm. I just uh, started to read about how certain flowers have uh, been used either A, with healing properties, or B, 
yeah. used as the basis for what then become medicines and we call yeah, yeah. pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I've heard that before. So. Uh, so there's like calendula flowers, which is meant to be really good for things like skin rash. So, so what do you have? Do you have all this grown in the house you live in? Or do you have like a little I've got, I've got a back... I used to have an allotment, uh, but I had to give it up because of the stroke. Mm. Uh, so I now have what I call a kitchen yarden rather than a kitchen garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've got a small greenhouse, it's plastic, mm. uh, which I grow tomatoes, chilies, mm. and peppers in, and aubergine. And then outside, it I would say is about three foot by six foot of. Um, peas, raw beans, runner beans, climbers basically because I've not got much space. Yeah, but yeah. climbers can include things like pumpkins and squashes if you trail them, right? Ah, right, yeah, I know that, I know great stuff. So, well, that's pretty warm. The question is today for you, Dave, anyway. So, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we'll get you to read up some stuff for us. Okay. Thanks again, Dave, and thank you, Amanda, for listening today. See you all soon, guys. Spoken, mate. Hi guys, right, enough for me and Amanda, straight over today again, and he's going to read out a poem for us on the look of extract from one of his, his book. Over to you Dave. Okay, well I, th I thought I would uh, change tack a little bit and do a much more general programme that appealed to a universal audience. So I'll uh, start to my poem, which is about something that is in everyone and around everyone, which is water. Cool. So. Ice when I freeze in your coffees, your teas. The steam that takes the creases out of your chemise, shirt. Add soap to remove dirt, or to a gun so you can just squirt. Should I say fire? Low, without a doubt. I'm in this extinguisher, I'm putting you out. I know that might sound very bold, but I'm misty-eyed and moody, some say hot and cold. And you can bathe, the sour, bathe and shower, take stock and devour. Floating ideas like snap, I've got the power. Please convert to hydroelectric dam before I flood things here and get hectic. <laughs> Hard no filter and a whole lot cleaner when you add me to your Ribena. When I drop bombs on impact they burst. I'm liquid freestyle and I'm quenching your thirst. So who do you think I am? Who do you want me to be? I'm H2O, I'm your favourite MC. A molecular compound waterfalls over stones and rises the steam eventually. Brilliant. What do you think, Amanda? He's got a good, got a great, you've got a great ear for rhythm there. That show's been a rapper, basically. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I have got other songs which are about uh, some of the topics that we've mentioned, and I'm happy to do them on future podcasts or talk to you about that. Well, sort of, I'm good. Like I said it's no problem with that because you're so local to me. Yeah. Anyone's wonder where Dave lives? He lives about what? About we reckon about. Mr. Jessup. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's live, all like doing we both yeah. live near Crown Point in Denton. Is yes. It? It, was, it was. Um. You told me exactly where you lived. M34, the west yeah. side of the Tame. Yeah, and I'm on the other side, about a ten minutes walk from there. Literally. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm grateful. Over to you, mate. I'm just going to briefly finish off top, talking about a topic that's quite pressing at the moment. Uh, last year, towards the end, Manchester United and Manchester City had a local derby, uh, which Manchester United won at City's ground. Um, what happened was that some Man United players were racially abused by a Manchester City fan. How disgraceful that was. And, and I'm a City fan, unfortunately, as well. And, and I'm, I'm a United proud, fan. I'm not proud of that. And, and I would be a liar if I said that there weren't United fans who were like that. It just so happens that they weren't caught that day. Uh, so I know City fans who, you know, look, look 
at things very differently to the way that fan did, as, as it sounds like you do. What I wanted to do is give your listeners an idea of why have we start, why have we used these monkey chants? If you look at a monkey, you'll see that ch- oh, chimpanzee. Let's take a chimpanzee for example. It's got thin lips. It has different colour skin tones of chimpanzee. It can be quite dark. It can be also be quite light. But it's got straight hair. It doesn't necessarily have curly hair. Um, many of the features that you could ascribe to a to a chimpanzee, you could ascribe as much to a white person as you could a black person, if not more. Uh, so I wanted to know, well, why have we gone down this route? Uh, so I, I found that the first references uh, were around about the 14th century. You've got a Spanish writer who, at the time, is under Moorish rule, a guy called Arnau of Villanova, and he suggested that people in hot climates like Africa were in their form like apes. Now, given that we dis- all descend from them, that's chances are we are going to, but then people then, and people who will be well, much more familiar to our uh, listeners than Arnau of Villanova, John Locke, when he's talking about um, people in his essay concerning human understanding in 1690, he's saying that people looked like monkeys. Um, you've then got people in, in Germany uh, around about the 18th century when race is really being constructed in, in that sort of area, who's saying that Africans resembled apes in those regions. Some suggested that African people mated with the with the, with the monkeys in their area. So you have these ideas that sort of form like an avalanche or a snowball of public <laughs> consciousness where people have forgotten whether or how much this makes sense or not. And I must stress that racism in many respects is a nonsense, biologically at least. Um, racism definitely exists. Uh, but the science on whether races exist is a bit more uh, pseudoscience than science. But you then have these uh, writers who then are being involved in enslavement and then later colonialism, who are using this as a justification. Alongside things like people being cursed or people not being as intelligent, but these sort of monkey chants are filtered down. Then you have things like human zoos in the sort of turn of the uh, 20th century, uh, people being used as sort of museum exhibits, but then even coming down into more recent times, you've got uh, other biologists writing around about the time of Darwin who were pushing this as well. Um, and what we then have as a consequence is we have footballers like John Barnes in the 1980s, uh, like Clive Best in the 1960s, whether it's you know in the 60s, 70s, in 80s in particular, where monkey chants and throwing bananas were quite visible. Then we tended to have a backlash against that. But then in the last 10 years, we've seen Michelle Obama and Barack Obama portrayed that way. We've seen footballers in the Manchester Derby two months ago being uh, portrayed that way by that fan. And I I just wonder at what point people are going to think, why do we do this? and, and what's informed us, and really when you actually look at it, you've got, you've got other people 
who, who like us are white, who could quite easily be compared to monkeys. Some even do it themselves, like Ian Brown, the yeah. Stone Roses singer, calls himself King yeah. Monkey. Do you remember how they used to play people as a monkey? Some, some people, yeah. rightly or wrongly, have compared footballers like Martin Keown or Gareth Bale to being slightly monkey-looking like Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's basically something that we need to address because at the end of the day, these are our communities um, and we've got, a, we've got in, in particular in Denton is, has changed quite a lot uh, uh, since I left in 2000 to now in terms of what Denton looks like demographically uh, but I would also say for the record before Dentonians express any negative views about that please remember that uh, if it wasn't for those communities chances are many of our churches would have gone already uh, many of our service sectors wouldn't be served our local hospital Tameside Hospital would be looking for more people to be working there and I think people take a really um, what 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 have immigrant communities done for us attitude and it reminds me of that scene in Life of Brian where they say what have the Romans done for us what have immigrants done for us well if you want to go back far enough um, we've had an African leader of Britain Septimus Severus who was born in Mauritania we saw what what uh, was done for us in the courts of some of our monarchs in, 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 in the Tudor times and um, but then more recently we've seen Mary Seacole in the Crimea so before you even get into sport and stereotypical things around da dance and athletics and stuff like that there's a real contribution to the fabric of this society particularly in the northwest with the mill towns and i was speaking to you earlier about how west indian cricketers applied their trade in lancashire and also to internationals um uh, kenny benjamin and malcolm marshall Played for our the local club to a Denton cricket club. I didn't know that. Anyway, um, it's ironic. I live. Should say a local to that club. I never knew that. And and I think what what is also part of the work that I do is trying to deal with that hidden history, that sort of um, helping young people use or helping teachers or helping young people learn about these subjects by making it real to them places they can touch and feel, uh, events in history where they can see um, it's how it shaped their city. So Manchester was shaped a lot by slavery, financially, uh, but even within this book we've got someone called Charles White who was talking about black people's anatomy in a very negative way. Charles White was one of the founders of Manchester Royal Infirmary. Yeah. So sometimes these people were despicable when it came to issues of racism, but then they contributed to other parts of our, you know, our uh, fabric of society and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. So, it's so there's a really complex relationship sometimes of really nice people doing some really good bad things, or some really gifted people doing some really gifted things which have contributed to the city. But then there's been a sting in the tail with things like the way that they've treated poor people, women, yeah. etc. No, it's a point. So, uh, if people want to get hold of the book. Then, 
when obviously after it gets reissued, which the podcast will be going live just after, mm. where can they get it from? It will be available on Amazon, but there will be a link from my website, as I said before, vermilionbean.co.uk. Uh, there'll be a specific page that deals with my books and publications because I've also got some that I've done previously. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I worked for the Home Office and uh, did publications on uh, police reassurance, stop and search. I worked on the Lawrence Inquiry recommendations, basically. So, so definitely, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the copy of Pass on to me But my more recent work is mu- very different too. They are much very dry academic reports. Yeah. This is much more uh, a very interactive book that's as much for families as it is for schools and colleges and communities. Well, thank you again for that today. It's been fascinating, Dave. Thank you, Amanda, for being here as always. You're welcome. Thank you, Dave. Now, the end, signing out. Thank you again, guys. Spoken, mate.